what exactly is a utopic life? It's kind of funny to think that the idea of perfection seems like it has this unanimous aesthetic, but in reality, the fallacy of perfection is that everyone's concept of it is vastly different. In today's episode, I reviewed a movie about a young woman discovering that the perfect life that she's been living in is anything but. I'm your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue. Welcome back, cuties, to another episode of That's My Cue, your one-stop podcast to get the latest reviews in all things TV shows, movies, albums, and games. As always, I'm Christian Ong, your Digimon champion. That's right, y'all. Not like not like anyone who listens to this really cares, but your boy has been really fine-tuning his Digimon card game skills, much to Kate's dismay, but uh, at the same time... Y'all, I got some good news. Just so, just, you know, I don't really like to toot my horn too often, but I'm gonna, you know, beep, beep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna toot the horn for a little bit. So, um, normally every week, at least maybe like once or maybe twice a week, I'll go out to a local card shop and just play the Digimon card game with some friends. And, uh, you know, we'll compete in these tournaments. There's like some like card packs that you could win. Nerdy stuff. But every so often, like every few months, there is what you call a store championship. And if you win the store championship, you get an exclusive invite to the national tournament. And that national tournament uh, hosts thousands of players in L.A. And they compete for these big prizes regarding the Digimon TCG. And as well as I think, I don't know, I could be speaking out my butt, but I think there's also a cash prize too. Not entirely sure. But in any case, it is kind of the sought-after uh, prize for these tournaments. Um, and uh, this is probably my third time competing in the store championship this season to get that invite for that tournament in February. You could compete in any other big tournament, but LA is kind of the, the biggest one. So my friend and I, we uh, drove all the way, maybe an hour away from home, just to compete in this tournament. And it was pretty cutthroat. Like, there was maybe 14 of us just competing. Uh, and as each round progressed, uh, uh, with each new loss, some players would automatically leave the store. Because there's no point in them staying, apparently. Because they didn't want to see it through. Because they believed that they no longer had a shot. But for me, I was going through a hot streak of just constant wins. Like, really consistent wins which rarely happens and sometimes I felt like I was going to choke but I was able to win that tournament and I was able to get that invite so that's kind of crazy but you know the, unfortunately the the sad part is that I won't be able to go uh, it's going to be in you know uh, February which is usually the trip that I am uh, going to every year for a Las Vegas for a trade show for work so sadly <sighs> You know, the champ has to hang up the hat for for this year. But I felt really good because I normally I normally never really do that good, that great at these tournaments. I'll probably place third at best. Um, but typically, you know, like the bottom 10 is probably where I'm chilling, which is OK. I'm just here to, for a good time and just to hang out with some friends and play the game. But 
I was ecstatic. I was trying to play it super cool when I got first place. But, you know, okay, so once again, I know it sounds cocky, cocky, but, you know, little reminder, beep, beep, just honking the horn real quick. But as soon as I won, your boy, you'd be a little proud, you, your boy played it super chill. I was like, oh, cool, thank you. And as soon as I got home, I kicked open the door and I was like, yes, heck yeah, woo, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to scream into the mic, but you get it. I... I feel stoked, and because I feel stoked this week, we are going to have an excellent episode. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking all about one of the movies that has had a lot of drama surrounding its release, and that movie is none other than Don't Worry Darling. Released on September 23rd, 2022, directed by Olivia Wilde, this movie stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan, Olivia Wilde, and Nick Kroll. In a small town of Victory, California, the people there couldn't possibly be any more happy. Alice and her husband are madly in love, and while he's away at work, she often finds time out of her day to spend it amongst friends. Yet, when one of her friends begins to exhibit mysterious behavior, Alice experiences strange happenings within Victory that bends the, uh, the very fabric of her reality. So, once again, surrounded by an immense amount of drama and controversy during its production, Don't Worry Darling marks a rocky second outing for actor-slash-director Olivia Wilde. Outside factors aside, Don't Worry Darling itself is a psychological thriller that more than leans onto the psychologically abstract aspects of the genre, dipping into, I would say, all-too-familiar tropes and story beats that one might recognize either through The Separate Wives or maybe even a Black Mirror episode. As a result, the first half of its lengthy two-hour runtime is bogged down by plenty of visually interesting ideas, but with concepts in relation to the greater mystery that, that I would say unravels itself too slowly that it becomes devoid of any meaning. Something is obviously afoot, mind you, but the movie rather takes too much of its time to, to methodically remind the audience of the strangeness of what's happening to Alice and that she's experiencing these uh, s- these strange uh, phenomena uh, for a reason. And finally, when it does reveal itself, it's a little too late as uh, these major rel- revelations begin to kick in and the pacing of the film rapidly just races to the credits. Moreover, much of the marketing materials, unfortunately, seems to have also spoiled a lot of the key visuals that, if you've seen any of the trailers, it eventually just became uh, a checklist of scenes that audiences might already be familiar just by stepping into any movie theater watching a trailer for this movie. Florence Pugh, however, is absolutely phenomenal despite the less-than-stellar script. And while the dialogue may not be particularly interesting or well-crafted, Pew's performance is an absolute powerhouse, showing an immense range of both fear and anger in the midst of her confusion. Other critics might uh, might have also cited that Harry Styles was the weaker actor in the ensemble, seemingly being outclassed, per se, opposite of his scenes with uh, Florence Pugh. But I would say that it's safe to report that Styles actually wasn't bad at all. His acting was surprisingly well done and never overstepped the boundaries of Pugh's performance, playing off nicely with one another with some nice chemistry. The rest of the cast, however, 
feels a bit underutilized with Gemma Chan and Chris Pine in particular, given small amounts of screen time, though Chris Pine is clearly the antagonist with crafty ulterior motives. Although Pine has some nice back-and-forth exchanges with Pew in one of its key scenes, Pine is barely given much room to develop outside of his character and has uh, devious motivations that are more or less explained in throwaway lines that help flesh out the lore of the town rather than actually speak to why he's invested in preserving the mystery. For fans of the film's leads, Don't Worry Darling offers a lot of uh, nuggets to digest with some solid performances from both Pew and Styles. Its script and overall direction is never as groundbreaking as it tries to convince you that it is, but audiences that are familiar with its themes may want to look elsewhere for other projects that have executed this particular storyline with further degrees of success. And I'm going to have to give this movie a 6 out of 10. And you can watch this currently right now on HBO Max. Uh, I was going to say in theaters, but at the time of this recording, it just dropped this week. So that's great news. But uh, yeah, I would say Don't Worry Darling is... uh, it, It has its moments of being good. It looks pretty... Everything's like, you know, technically very sound. It just didn't strike itself as like anything overly original. And uh, I I think the movie really tries to convince you that it is. But uh, I I would say that the movie's main twist was well-preserved. And so once you get to that point, I think uh, it's, it's, it's something. I don't want to speak too much about it. I want you to be able to kind of experience that for yourself because I think that's one of the better parts of the movie, even though uh, I would say, like I said, my review, it rushes to the end. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, let's go dive into some things that I'm currently into, as well as some listener reviews from you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today on our program, we're talking all about Don't Worry Darling, and we have some listener reviews from listeners like you. But before we dip into any of that, let's go ahead and dive into some things that I'm currently into. First up on my list, we I just checked out the pilot episode of Blockbuster, which is the new Netflix workplace comedy starring uh, Randall Park, uh, and it's, it's not great. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, um, it has so much potential of, you know, uh, maybe... I don't know. I don't know what it is that it's just the the jokes feel forced and, and tired. Uh, Randall Park is great, but I just feel like he doesn't have a lot of um, chemistry with Melissa Fumero. Uh, I, I loved both of them in their individual projects, just not in this one. And I think it's purely going off uh, the nostalgia factor of Blockbuster, which feels kind of icky when you think about it that it's a Netflix show, right? And Netflix was the blockbuster killer. So, um, I mean, one friend did point it out with the la- uh, with the last blockbuster documentary uh, on how kind of a little gross it is for, for a company that had put another business out of business to then, you know, host a documentary kind of relishing in that victory in a way. Even though it is a nice documentary about uh, the perseverance of this one remaining uh, chain uh, that 
has become an icon for a town. So that's good in that regards. I know that Blockbuster is supposed to capitalize on that concept itself. It just doesn't capture a lot of the same heart uh, that I think it needs to. Maybe by the end of the season it, it reaches that. I just kind of stopped after episode one, so I didn't really give it a, a too hard of a chance um, because I just didn't feel like I needed to invest my time in that. But I'm hoping that if it does on the off chance of getting a season two, that it, you know, finds its its footing a little more. I I would like to think that for workplace comedies, it's kind of hard to judge a book by its first season. Uh, like The Office and Parks and Rec, uh, for example, both se- uh, first seasons were really rough. And um, I think they didn't really get better until season two onwards. And I think it's going to be maybe the same for this if it somehow survives it into being renewed for season two. Uh, up next, we have The Grand Budapest Hotel. This is a Wes Anderson film. Um, I don't know. For me, Wes Anderson movies in general were always those movies back in film school where uh, you'd have students that would list off two directors that they love the most, and it's either Quentin Tarantino or Wes Anderson. And for me... That's all I need to know about that person. It just feels like it's too artistically pretentious, at least in my mind's concept of just looking at, you know, both director's films from a distance, that it just feels too hard to be uh, stylistically, you know, um, uh, I guess full of uh, substance without actually having anything really to say. Um, I'm a big Tarantino hater. You know, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. So, uh, granted, he has some some good movies, but I just feel like he is kind of more, uh, I guess, creatively liberated to get away with some stuff that, in his mind's eye, is, uh, you know, is right. But in execution, I think he's kind of stepping across too many boundaries. But that's not the point. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel with Wes Anderson, I actually did like a lot. I I think it is kind of a nice, funny comedy uh, with uh, Ralph Fiennes in the center of it all. The visuals are by uh, no means short of excellent. I think that it is uh, true to Wes Anderson's style. So if you like that nice um vibrant and colorful aesthetic that is also uh, very symmetrical in framing this is probably the movie for you if you are uh into that for me i think it works in a bunch of other movies too like um paddington too but uh yeah grand budapest hotel was a, a surprisingly a great time up next we have donnie darko this is one of kate's favorite movies of all time in in our movie group we decided to watch it, and I thought it was pretty good. I, you know, I, I think that it is very uh, teen drama heavy. Like, I, I think it, it kind of uh, has too many tropes that just prevents me from taking it too seriously. It's surprisingly a lot more funny than I expected it to be, and uh, there is a plethora of... Um, of celebrities in the cast that I didn't expect. There's like Seth Rogen before he was Seth Rogen, Drew Barrymore 
absolutely stunning in this movie. Uh, Patrick Swayze. There, you know, I see the cast list and I was like, oh, surely that these actors are going to have a more prominent role. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it justly focuses on um, the uh, story with, you know, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Surprised to see Maggie Gyllenhaal also play his actual sister in uh, the movie, and I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. It's that champion brain, man. I'm thinking of that next Digimon thing, whatever. But yeah, Donnie Darko, it's it's a good movie. I, I think that the ending is what kind of brings it all back together for me because uh, I, I, I like thinking um, and pondering about what the reality of the movie's ending was. So that's that's pretty good. And finally, on my currently list, we have the the latest whodunit, which is See How They Run. Uh, once again, See How They Run kind of also uh, borrows the similar aesthetic style of like a Wes Anderson movie uh, with the uh, campiness of like a whodunit movie from the past. And I think that uh, the Sorcha Ron Man, I never know how to pronounce her name. The the, the girl from Ladybird, Sorsha Ronin. I'm just gonna call her Sosh. So Sosh and uh, Google Activate. Let's go see who's in this movie. See how they run. Oh man, he is in Iron Man two. Drawing a blank. Sam Pro- Sam Rockwell. Yes, they're they're both good in this movie. I think that Sam Rockwell uh, plays the. Uh, straight man excellently and he has a lot of uh, more um, funny responses to Sorcerer Ronin's uh, you know naivete if you will I think as far as whodunits go it's you know it's more or less what you kind of expect out of that genre Um, it it's comedy is a lot more uh, light and a little more fun Um, so compared to something like the uh, Death on the Nile or or any of the more latest Poirot adaptations. I think that See How They Run is a lot more palpable to grasp. So check it out. That, that's also on HBO Max as well. And let's go ahead and get into some listener reviews. For our first review, we have a review from none other than Jade, the... Well, this is, like I mean, Jade's umpteenth uh, listener review, so we got to give her a nice little uh, moniker like we do with Wes uh, the Slayer and also Kate the Wise. I would say Jade the Bard because I can I can see Jade play a nice little lute and you know bring everyone's spirits up. Anyways, Jade the Bard writes, "Don't worry, darling, is worth the watch." But there's nothing revolutionary or genre bending about the film. I found the movie to be similar to, but not as good as The Stepford Wives and The Truman Show. Olivia Wilde makes directing choices that I think tries to achieve an abstract artistry, but ultimately falls flat. That said, I think Florence Pugh and Harry Styles give solid performances despite the backlash. I'd give this movie a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I I would say that if you knew nothing about the production history of this movie you are probably in a better position to maybe enjoy this movie with more fresh, unbiased eyes. Because 
Uh, I will admit that this movie was something that I was looking forward to based on the trailer, but with all the drama that was surrounding it, it did kind of, you know, sour the excitement for the release of this movie. And so uh, when we did finally watch it, it was like, oh, that's it? <laughs> it was all hyped for, for, for that? But I don't know. Uh, I, I would say Don't Worry Darling is, like what Jade said, worth the watch. And... Of course, you got to trust someone that is the party's bard. We're really coming up with a nice D&D team. Up next, our final review for today comes from my uh, good friend, Kayla, who I haven't uh, realized might be actually listening to the podcast. So that's good. Hi, Kayla, if you're listening to this. Kayla writes, Okay, so the second half was better than the first half. The first half felt like there was a lot of buildup with nowhere to go. Olivia Wilde was able to do the, the impossible. Make Harry Styles seem like a, like a complete loser. That's pretty good. That's pretty funny, Kayla. Um, great social commentary on female autonomy. The ending was fantastic. Also, certain lines were written as throwaway, throwaway lines when they really should have been used as establishing a pattern that would tie in her speech that she made at her husband's celebration dinner. And so for those of you who have seen the trailer, uh, Kill is referring to the speech that Florence Pugh gives to the entire dinner party in front of Chris Pine, talking about what she thinks this town really is. And so it's an excellent scene. I think that, um, yeah, that confrontation should have been uh, padded or or built up more with more information with the dialogue prior to it. I, I think that it tries to be too vague that it doesn't offer any like uh, subtle answers to the audience um, too much in the way of like, oh, this all makes sense and pieces together because there's some things that happens in this movie that I feel like is just there for the sake of being there, even though that when you find out the true nature of what's going on, that it never really feels like it, you know, paid off in a meaningful way, at least not in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, this the social commentary on female uh, autonomy. Yeah, I think you could just already grasp it from the Stepford Wives comparison or from anything else. So I think that it has a lot of uh, nice, you know, potent things to say, but is it completely original to this movie not entirely but it also doesn't have to be um but yeah that's today's episode y'all that is our episode for don't worry darling so if you want to share your thoughts on either the episode itself today or maybe you want to let me know what you think about harry styles's acting you can let me know either through Instagram at That's My Q Podcast or on Twitter at Q Podcast. You can also email the show at That's My Q Podcast at gmail.com where any of you can send plenty of different suggestions on what I should review next. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, which helps boost attention for the show. Maybe leave a nice review saying like, I like that Christian talks about Digimon card games sometimes, even though it doesn't necessarily relate to me. It's something that I'm happy that he's happy. And if you write that with a nice five-star rating, I'll know that you listen to this specific episode. But of course, anything helps and the support is greatly appreciated. I got to thank J1K for the use of their music, Captured Soul. You know I got to do it from the School Days beat tape which you can find on j1kmusic.com.
www.bandcamp.com. Next week's episode, we have a big new blockbuster that I've been waiting all year for, and I'm so excited that it's finally here. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be doing my uh, review for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So if you're able to see the movie this weekend, watch it, send in a review. I would love to hear from you. But as always, I got to leave you off with a quote, and this quote comes from, of course, the movie Don't Worry Darling, and it goes a little like this. Think about your life and what you actually want. Once again, I've been your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue.